talking about what I've entitled the cry. The cry. I'd also subtitle this, if I could, what in the world is oozing out of you? What in the world is oozing out of you? Now, before you shut me completely off this morning, give me an opportunity to explain what I'm trying to say to you. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm sure that if you've been in the church for very long, you've read this and probably heard it preached on and talked about and taught many, many times. Sometimes I forget, and sometimes we forget, that it's very important for us to understand what is inside of us. That we are not to be filled with the world. We are not to be filled with the spirit of darkness. We are to be filled with the spirit of life and the kingdom of heaven is what should be oozing out of us. Now, I want to talk to you about three thoughts this morning and give you three different opinions and observations about this. Uh, The first is, I want us to look at the historical context in which this passage of Scripture is given. Now, in verse 37, it tells us very clearly that it is on the last day of the feast, the great day. Now, what what are we talking about here? Well, in the Jewish calendar, there were three important feasts or festivals that they were required to celebrate every year. The first was the Feast of the Passover. You remember that that's when the angel of death came through and they had to strike the the headboard of their doors uh, with the blood so that the, the blood would be the signal that the angel of death was to pass over them and to not bring death upon their household. And so God, through the Jewish faith, said that they were to to commemorate that each year. So there was the feast of the Passover. And then there was the feast of Pentecost. Now, when I say Pentecost, most of you, your ears perk up and you're ready to have a good shout down Jericho march. Uh, But the Feast of Pentecost is is simply a celebration of the Holy Spirit of God that has been active in this world from day one. You can go all the way back to Genesis and you can see the activity of the Spirit of God where in the creation process He was hovering over the face of the water as He was being involved in what God was speaking from the heavenlies. And so the Spirit of God has always been active in the Old Testament we see several times where the Spirit of God came down upon people and anointed them to do what God was calling them to do. Samson is a wonderful example of that. We see several times where the Spirit of God came upon Samson and empowered him to be able to do what God needed him to do. So there was this Feast of Pentecost. Now we know that on the day of Pentecost, which is uh, we're told about in the book of Acts, the, the Spirit of God was given for us not to just look at, but He would come and He would live and dwell within us. So I'm glad to know today that I'm a re- recipient of the Holy Spirit. When I was saved, the instant that I was saved, I was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
at a later time in my life, as I began the sanctification process of life, I then became filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. I'm still filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God doesn't come and go like he did in the Old Testament. He lives and dwells within us. Aren't you glad for that today? But then there was this third feast that was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, this was an interesting feast because it was where the Israelites, the Jewish people, celebrated the harvest. It usually fell in the month of October, the United States calendar. In fact, the Feast of Tabernacles for 2019 begins next Sunday and will be celebrated among the Jews for seven days because it, has, it is part of their faith system and cycle. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was something uh, that, that took them back to the provision of God. God provided for Israel in many, many ways. And so they would build, the farmers would build these little tabernacles, they were called. Actually, they were little tents. They were little huts. They would build them up on the top of their, uh, their house. They would build them in the streets. And they would live out life for seven days in these little tents. Now, Stephanie and Derek went camping this weekend, and I saw a picture on Facebook of the tent that they were in. And uh, it, it, it would remind you some of that. Aren't you glad that you don't have to stay in that tent for seven days? At the command of God. I know that if God told you to do it, you'd do it. But aren't you glad that if you got cold or if you needed an extra hot dog or a piece of bacon, all you had to do was get out of the tent and go into mom's house and you were set for the night. Well, in, in the Bible, when they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, they would stay in these little tents so that they would be reminded of God's provision. Now, I grew up in southern Illinois. It's a little farming community. You know that. I'm just an old farmer, Joe. I'm just a farming hick from southern Illinois. I've always been that, and I guess I always will be. But I can remember harvest time in that small community. A lot of times, the farmers would just, they would sleep in the field. They would, they would take turns and rotate bringing in the harvest. Some of them would sleep in the back of their pickup truck during harvest time and never went home. I knew a lot of ladies that their job, as it were, was to cook the meals and, and bring them out to wherever the harvest was taking place. And they'd set up the tables and they would fix up the food and they would sound the alarm, as it were, or ring the bell. And the farmers would come in and they would eat and obtain nourishment for their their bodies and then they go right back out into the fields and bring in the harvest. But when the harvest was complete, they would then celebrate the goodness of God. I can remember those celebrations even to this day. My favorite was when they would get the corn in out of the field and they'd get these big iron pots and they'd put fire under them and put water in until the water was boiling and put the corn in there. And we'd just stand around those big iron pots and, and pull out corn on the cob and slap butter on it. I mean, and just eat and eat and eat. You say, didn't you ever get tired of corn? Not when it's fixed that way. 
and then we'd dance a little bit around and we'd sing a little bit and we'd, we'd just celebrate the good things of God because when the harvest was over, then it was time for us to move into a different season. So this setting here where Jesus is speaking was similar to that. It was a celebration of the harvest that, and a reminder that God had provided for the needs of Israel. That he had always provided everything that they needed. But now on this day, it's called the great day. The great day was the eighth day of the seventh day festival. So the eighth day was the day when they started tearing down the tents. They started getting ready to return home. They were taking down their little huts. They were taking down all of the things that had lended itself toward the celebration of the festival. And they were getting ready to go. Now, for the first seven days, the priest had a golden pitcher, and they would go to the pool of Siloam, and they would, they would fill that golden pitcher with water, and they would bring that golden pitcher that was filled with water, and they would pour it on the altar, signifying to the people that God would provide all of their needs. When they were thirsty, all they had to do was cry out to God. All they had to do was just believe that when the time was right, that God would provide everything that was needed. And so for seven days, they would bring this golden pitcher, and they would pour this water upon, water upon the altar of God, and they would be reminded of the provision of God. But on the eighth day, they did not pour any water. There was no golden picture. There, picture. There was no water that was poured upon the altar. And it was to serve as a reminder that now it was time to go back into their world. And they went from having provision by God where God sent them then into the promised land where they would receive all of their needs met there in the promised land. So this entire historical context was all about water, if you will, and it was all about having a thirst that was provided for by God. God would provide the water to supply them during this time. They were thirsty. And so in this moment and in this time, Jesus seized upon this opportunity to talk to them about something that was very important. So Jesus, the Bible says in verse 28, it says that Jesus stood up and cried out. Now, I want to point out to you that this was not Jesus' normal way of ministry. I've learned through the years that pastors have their own different presentation. They have their own way of preaching. Some of them are loud and fast and, 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 and they're, you know, they get all excited and, and, you know, we, we like the movement of all that and others just kind of stand in one place and, and just kind of speak on a level that really makes our mind start grasping and thinking about the things of the spirit. But there are many different methods of presentation, but as long as the word of God is what's being discussed and talked about, it's not the presentation that will change your life. It is the Word of God that will change your life. So Jesus was meek and mild. 
Jesus had his moments when he might turn over a money changer's table. There were times when he might get frustrated with guys like Peter who draws his sword and cuts off somebody's ear and Jesus has to bend over and pick up the ear and reattach it to the soldier. I mean, there were times that he had to deal with that kind of stuff and frustration with the way people acted. But as a whole, Jesus was mild-mannered and he was meek and he wasn't real loud. In fact, the prophet Isaiah said that when he came, that he would not be one out in the streets who would be proclaiming loudly the message that he would be teaching. That was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a loud mouth. John the Baptist was a predated Pentecostal, if you will. John the Baptist was the one that looked weird and probably handled snake. I'm, snakes. I'm, I'm just going to go on record as saying, if, if anybody did, John the Baptist probably did. But, but Jesus was meek and mild-mannered. And so then when we see here in verse 38 that Jesus stood up and he cried out. This word cry is a very important word because it doesn't imply that he was weeping. It doesn't imply that he had tears streaming down his face. It doesn't appear uh, that he was broken hearted in this moment. It's not that kind of cry at all. Now, we've all had good cries like that at one time or another in our life. And sometimes that kind of cry can be very refreshing to the soul. It just allows things to come out that need to come out. And so just let me tell you that if you need a good cry, just go ahead and let it flow because that is one of the ways that God can heal your soul. And by the way, men, it's okay for you to cry too. This idea that men aren't supposed to cry is a bunch of baloney. You need the same kind of emotional outlet as do the great women in our lives. But this is not at all the kind of cry that Jesus is involved with. Instead, this is a moment where Jesus sees an opportunity to to bring into context this idea of what's going to happen when the Spirit of God is given. And he stands up on the porch of the tabernacle and he cries. Now what this literally means is that Jesus stands up And he begins to yell. He begins to scream, if you will. He's not just saying, hey, could everybody just look up here for a minute? Because I've got a word I need to share with you. I need a moment of your time. If you don't mind, you know, just come on in, gather around. I've got something I need to say to you. It wasn't like that at all. It was like, and I'm not going to do it because I've got this microphone on and some of you would die if I did. But I mean, it was one of those things that come from down here and just builds itself and comes all the way up. And when it comes out, it is an eruption of a moment and an emotional moment uh, that shocks and surprises everyone. It is a warning, if you will. The other night we went to watch Ben play uh, football at Eastern. They played Thursday night because of the uh, the break schedule and all that kind of thing. And I'm I'm sitting by Jonathan, Jonathan, and then me, and then Donna, and then Lanita, and then and then Elizabeth. And and so we're watching. And and Ben had this particular play 
where he's on the offensive line and he was called to pull. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about football, that means he, he's not going to hit the guy in front of him. He's going to pull back and he's going to run down the line and he's going to block somebody down here that is not expecting his arrival. Now, those of you who know Ben know he's a pretty good-sized boy. You understand that, right? Uh, I, 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 you know, I like to, to think that I could still take him, but honestly, I don't ever want to try it. Not at this point in my life. But, but he pulls back, and he runs down the line, and this poor boy, I, I don't know who he was. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about it, but listen, he went home in a dress that night. I can tell you that. He, he didn't come the same way. He didn't leave the same way he came. Uh, ben just annihilated him. Now, if you don't believe me, just ask Ben to show you the video. He's got it on his phone. Uh, he, he, he's showing everybody who, who will look. Just say, show me the video, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But he pulled, and he annihilated this guy. And, and, and here's the point of my story. When he did that, Jonathan let out a blood-curdling scream that almost made me have to go to the restroom. <laughs> you, you know, it was, it was, it was blood-curdling. I mean, he stands up and he's in his big boisterous voice. Uh, oh, man. I mean, he's just letting it go. And he scared me to death. I mean, it, I was not expecting it. I would have expected it from Liz. She does that kind of thing all the time. But I, 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 I was not expecting it from Jonathan, and it, and it frightened me. And so if you can picture that in your mind, that's kind of the thing that happened here with Jesus. You know, all these people are tearing their tents down and their tabernacles down and they're packing it up and they're getting ready to go. There's no water because the pitchers are not being poured out. The priests are not allowing any water to flow that day and they're thirsty and they're probably hot and they're, you know, and they're just ready to move on. And in that moment when all of that is happening, Jesus stands up, the Bible says, in the tabernacle and he, been, he begins to cry out with his loud voice and to let them know that there's something that you need to understand right now today that will change your life and what was it that they needed to know well look at it he said in this moment when you are thirsty he says if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink and whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Again, some translations say out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Here's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, if you come to me, if you start serving me, if you start believing me, if you start walking with me, this is not going to be a situation where you're going to be thirsty and then thirsty and then thirsty and then thirsty and then thirsty, never having your needs met, everything revolving around what you do in terms of religious circles and things. No, if you'll come to me and believe in me the way uh, that you should believe in me, I'm telling you there's going to be something placed inside of you that will also flow out of you in such a way that 
you will constantly and continually be filled on the outside, but it will ooze out of you in such a way that it will literally affect everyone around you. So my question to you today is, what's oozing out of you? Man, I know people that poison is oozing out of them. They're bitter and they're angry and they're hurt and they're frustrated with life. They're mad at everything that's ever happened to them in their entire life. And you get around them and all you ever hear is about how bad everything is and how mad they are about this situation and that situation. But what Jesus is saying is, if you come to me and you are infilled with the Spirit of God, it's not here yet, but it's going to come. And when it comes and gets inside of you, there's going to be a continual river of abundance and life that flows out of you everywhere that you are. I asked the Lord this week to help me with something. I, you know, I... A few weeks ago, I, I took Jovi, I picked Jovi and Harper up on the school bus, and Jovi said, I, I need to go in and give something to, to Pop Pop, which is her other grandpa. And she said, I'll be right back. She ran in the house, she came back, and I said, well, how's Pop Pop today? She said, she said, I'm not sure. She said, he had a sad face on today. And I thought, well, you know, a lot of times we have sad faces. And then people in my family started telling me, said, well, Pops, you always have a sad face on your look. Said, anybody who ever looks at you always wonders, what's, what's the matter with Pops today? Why is Pops angry? I started looking myself in the mirror and saying, you know, you do look kind of angry. This is beyond just looking old. This is, your face is stuck in that position and and you need to learn how to smile so I'm I've been practicing smiling in the mirror and I'm, I'm not sure how it looks and and, and you know I, I try and I think well maybe if I I'm, I'm like those girls that they've got their pose down on the on the Facebook you know it's like oh, all right let me see if I put my foot out and point it and put my hand on my on my all that kind of stuff you know it may it may yeah oh yeah and all that kind of stuff I've been looking in the mirror and saying how can I smile that will cause people to not see me as a mad old man, but somebody who is filled with the joy of the Lord. I don't want to go out of this life angry. I don't want to go out of this life as a mean old man. I want to be known as a man who loved God with all of his heart and was filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen. Would you give the Lord a praise in the house today? Jesus is crying out to them. Come to me and drink. I'm going to fill you with something that will flow out of you. And it will be alive and living. You say, well, are you sure about that? Yeah, I think so. Turn over to John chapter 4 with me, if you will. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea 
and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. If you're reading the King James Version today, it says he must needs go through Samaria. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For you see, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered him, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water anymore. You know what Jesus was saying to her? He was saying, Listen, anytime that you tried to Fill your thirst or quench your thirst with a natural process. It may cause your thirst to leave temporarily, but it will always come again. If you're trying to fill your thirst with the flesh and the things of the flesh, you're going to be thirsty for the rest of your life. You're going to be thirsty today and tomorrow and the next day and the day after that because you're trying to fill an inner spiritual longing that cannot be filled with the things of this earth. But I have good news for you today. If you will drink of this spiritual water that Jesus is talking about, he said, whoever drinks of this water shall never be thirsty again. Amen. Because it's not an external thing. It is an internal thing that takes up residence in our soul, in our spirit. And so then when we get put in a situation where whatever is inside of us needs to come out of us, we will ooze the Spirit of God. Come help me quit this morning if you will. 
You see, we, we talked about the context where there, everybody's talking about water. Everybody's talking about being thirsty. And Jesus comes uh, and he cries with a loud voice and he gets everyone's attention and says, what you need is not water in a golden pitcher. That's simply a religious experience. You don't need that. What you need uh, has not yet come, uh, but it's on its way. Because when Jesus Jesus went away, the Father spent the, sent the Holy Spirit who is among us now and lives within us. You say, how do you know that's what he's talking about? Well, look at verse 39. It says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What Jesus was saying is, is that right now I am among you and I'm doing the work that my father has sent me to do. I'm not yet finished. My work will culminate on a cross at Calvary. But what I do there will be sufficient to erase all the sins of this world. But when I've accomplished that and it is finished, I'm going back to heaven where I'm going to take my place of authority at the right hand of the Father where I will live forevermore to make intercession for the saints of God. But don't worry because you shall not be alone. My Father is going to send the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and He's going to come among you. And He's not going to just be around you, but He's going to be in you. And he will satisfy your every longing. Woo! Man, have you seen that McDonald's commercial about the glazed chicken nuggets that you can eat? And they go, whoo! They take a bite, whoo! Take a bite, whoo! And I'm telling you, ever since I've seen that, every time I take a good bite of the Holy Ghost, something in me just rises up. Whoo! Man! I feel something inside. Man, I feel good. The Holy Ghost is inside of me. There's nothing that I can't face because I have the Spirit of the living God living within me. Some of you just need a good in your life today. Can I tell you that I've come to a place in my life where I can honestly say, And I mean this with everything in me. I want Jesus more than anything this world has to offer me. You can take the houses, you can take the land, you can take the money, you can take the prestige, you can take it all. Just give me Jesus. I just want Him. I just want him more than anything in this life. So I thought you were talking about the Holy Ghost. I was. But remember, you'll wait till the Holy Ghost is through Jesus. Because Jesus was the one standing in the tabernacle crying, If you're thirsty, come to me. I will give you to drink living water that will satisfy you forever. 
I want the ushers to come and prepare for communion this morning. While they're coming and getting ready in just a moment, I want you to come and we're going to receive communion here around the, the, the altar and we'll close out with prayer today. And as we receive this communion today, remember we are commemorating what Jesus Christ did for us. I mean, his body was broken so that we could be healed, so that we could be whole. His blood was shed so that we could be free from sin. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done. But I'm also thankful for the reality that the Spirit of God lives and dwells within each one of us. While you're coming this morning, I'm going to play a little video that I want you to watch and I want you to just worship the Lord as we listen to this song that says, I want Jesus more than anything. I hope that's the cry of your heart. So as it begins to play, come and receive the communion elements this morning. Wow, what a night. <laughs> I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than fine houses or great lands. You see, I just want to be led by his nail-scarred hands than to be
well for me today more than this world can afford me Lord we love you more than anything If I just take a moment and obey the Lord, do you mind? Hester, you're hiding behind that pole, but I see you. Come over here. The Lord told me to pray for you. You know that by his stripes we're healed, right? Will you receive your healing today in Jesus' name? By your stripes and what you did, healing is provided. It is the children's bread. Lord, it is by faith that we receive and we declare healing in this body today. You are able to repair everything that was broken and return it to its rightful place. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name to touch her and do it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Zane, come here. If you don't mind, come here. First of all, let me tell you how, how proud that I am to have you as my friend. You have served the Lord. You've served this country. And I thank you for that. Zane's been having heart issues with the rhythm. They can't get his heart back in rhythm. They've done everything that they know to do to get it back in rhythm the way that it should be. He's been through all the stuff that I could tell you about. And still, he's here in the Lord's house today with a heart that is out of rhythm. Do you believe that the Lord is able to heal this? Just point your hands this way. Lord, in Jesus' name right now, I lay my hands upon Zane. Father, I pray for you to get this heart in rhythm. God, I know that you're able. By your stripes, we're healed. Lord, you said we have not because we ask not. We don't want to make that mistake. We're going to ask, and we're going to keep asking, and we're going to seek, and we're going to keep seeking, and we're going to knock, and we're going to keep knocking because we know that he who asks shall receive, and he who seeks shall find, and he who knocks, the door shall be opened unto him. So I'm praying right now for him in Jesus' name that great healing virtue will come into his body for the glory of God, strengthen him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hoyt, come here if you will. Would you mind standing in for Ima this morning? Ima's not able to be here. They said early in the week, in fact, it was last Sunday after church was over and, and everybody was going home. They were taking Ima to the hospital and she was having some heart issues. And she's still very weak and unable to be here today. But how many of you know? <laughs> this living water that is inside of us produces life and abundance it's inside of her 
She doesn't have to be right here in this moment. That living water is inside of her right now. And I want us to pray that God will release that healing virtue in her body and strengthen her. Father, we lay our hands upon Hoyt this morning. We ask you to touch and minister to Ima as only you can. Lord, your healing power is in her. The living water of God, the living water of abundance, the living water of healing is inside of her. And I pray that you will cause it to manifest in her body right now. In Jesus' name. If there are any others in this house this morning and you're sick in your body, just take your hand and lay it on your belly right here. And I want you to ask the Lord to release that nutritious healing to your body. Water releases nutrition to these bodies. Without it, we'll die. There's a spiritual flow of living water.